This is getting better and better. Get some recipes. Look at that. Yes, sir. You haven't peaked yet. Mmm, I just can't, mm, I just can't wait. That's a lesson that games are not played on paper. No. But they're played on the field. I told you guys, I told you. I told you. Welcome to Evolve, a lifestyle brand that disrupts conventional thinking and challenges you to evolve your soul, evolve your body, evolve your mind, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. You have value, and you are not alone. When I close my eyes, I can see a whole different world. Wow, yeah. that's what I want to do, man. Well, Val, like we were talking about, you know, we like to start our show by asking our guests what is inspiring them right now. Is there music that you're listening to, a book that you're reading, or a person in your life? What is inspiring Val today? Today, most recently, it is my mentors. I am working with um, Adam Miller and Kevin Moxley right now. And being able to ask them questions each, each week is really inspiring me to become better with my coaching. That's like my big thing that I'm doing right now. So they are challenging me to think outside the box, ask questions, constantly try to improve myself so I can become the best at what I do. And so it's been a good challenge and definitely um, making me think outside the box. <laughs> That's awesome. So what's something this week that your mentors challenged you on that uh, you had to push yourself in a different direction? There's been, lately there's been a lot of discussion about uh, exercise setup and making sure that my form is good so that when I go to work with clients, whether they send workout videos, because the majority of my clients are just online, hmm. um, or if they come and train at pers in person, which somebody came today, so that was really fun to have somebody in person to train, um, that I can help them, that I can find those little things that may be a little bit off or if they're going out of their active range of motion or if you know they don't have the stability they need in their shoulders, if they're doing a tricep exercise, things like that, that I can help them and pinpoint those things so it doesn't turn into an issue down the road. Yeah, there's a lot when you are breaking down how to become an expert in movement. There's so many things. So I love how you're talking about the setup of it, uh, because that's a that's a really important thing. We're talking about proper biomechanics and, uh, and proper form. So it sounds like you've got a couple of great mentors that are coaching you through that. Yeah, it's been very fascinating and humbling. Yeah, very, very, very humbling. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I think we've got to be humble in order to grow and learn. And uh, with that, we want to welcome you all to another episode of the Evolve Podcast, a podcast that challenges personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. Joining us today is the bestie of Governor Mike DeWine in Oberlin, Ohio, W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Uh I'm right here in the middle of smack that, well, not the middle of Ohio, I'm in the northeast corner, but here I am. Nice to be here. Great to see you, Val. Every time we have a guest on from our gym, I just, I miss Utah more and more and more. That's why I continue to invite people from Utah on that know you. We're going to get you back here one of these days. Yeah, one of these days, I'm just going to take this headset off and leave and just get my plane ticket and get back out there. <laughs> That's awesome. And stuck in his job as a Janis Joplin impersonator in Las Vegas is Casey Mitch Mitchell. And he is not joining us tonight because he is still impersonating Janis Joplin. Um, and coming to you from the top of the mountain in Utah, I am Steve Cutler. Today, our guest is Valerie Lusvardi. Welcome, Val. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I am very honored to be talking today. Yeah. No, yeah, we, we are, are honored. We are and more we are honored, honored than you are. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to one-up your honoring because two That's of us right. are feeling honored. Well, Valerie is an IFBB bikini pro and fitness coach. She has been coaching since 2016. Val has achieved multiple certifications with N1 education and precision nutrition, specializing in biomechanics, anatomy, and nutrition. 
Valerie has been fortunate to work with some of the best in the industry and is currently doing a mentorship and being coached by two top coaches, Adam Miller and Cody Moxley from N1 Education. Val's coaching philosophy stems from a place of internal health and then those changes reflect outwardly. She cares deeply about her clients and designs each program to specifically meet the client's needs. It's important to Valerie that her clients understand the basics of developing healthy habits and training smart. And when she's not at the gym or working with clients, she's a busy mother of three young boys. And Val and her husband like to travel to exotic locations to, like Bali and the Maldives. And uh, Val, I would say the one thing that you didn't put in your bio that we have to add in here, and you just did it on the Zoom, is you are a great dancer, right? <laughs> <laughs> categorize myself as a great dancer but i do like to dance it's very fun why am i so, just finding out about this just now why why well why. apparently you're not looking at her instagram because in between sets val does elaine bennis type dances um, <laughs> <laughs> to show off her great moves so uh, that's my first question tonight, Val, is uh, as you're doing these dances uh, in between your sets that you're videoing these uh, these clips for your Instagram, what's the response been? People really like them. In fact, I haven't done a whole lot of dancing in between sets lately. And a few people have messaged me and said, where's your dancing? We missed the dancing. And so I'm wondering if I need to just start showing my little dance moves and not so much showing my exercises that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good balance. Yeah. More yeah. So there's that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Val, you're, you're very busy being a mom, a wife, a coach, uh, a student of your sport, and you're a competitive athlete. So how do you balance all of those responsibilities? Oh, that word balance. I used to think of myself as being able to balance things. But as I look back at like the year that I turned pro, life was not balanced. It was definitely mm. on, on my competing. And luckily my husband is a, was super supportive, but he, he will often, he'll bring that up and he's like, I supported you through that, you know, like six or seven months straight of lots of competing and things like that. So I, I found that it's not so much balancing, but sometimes things are like taking a temporary priority. And so coming back and being able to remember what my main priorities are, which is family, like family's number one. So always, if I ever feel myself kind of veering off and getting too off course, it, it's a good opportunity for me to check check myself and be like, okay, am like, have I given time to my kids today? Um, what am I missing here? So I can make sure to try to get a better balance with things. But yeah, balance is, is a hard thing to really have happen between, you know, work, um, personal goals, family stuff, um, house, house chores and cleaning and things like that. Like, it can kind of feel overwhelming at times. And especially doing what I, like I'm doing what I love. Like I love to, to coach clients. I love to work with people. And so I'm very, very blessed that I get to do that. But at the same time, I could do it for like hours. Yeah, so yeah. I have to cut myself off and set timers to make sure that I, do try to find that balance and make it work. So. Yeah, I like how you talked about that there's priorities. Certain things will take priority at certain times. But then you also at the end talked about that you have to cut off certain times, right? So you, that you can go give uh, attention to the kids or move on to something else. Um, you know, I think when you've got personal goals, there is a tendency for those goals to either take priority and, and then we forget about the things that are most important to us, or we just say, you know what, the things that are most important have to take up all of my life. And so I can't uh, do my personal goals. And you've really created a life where you're able to 
I, I would, I'm with you when it comes to balance, maybe not balance, maybe it's a harmony, right? That through yeah. life, you're creating this harmony of everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you put on this hat for a little while and you switch over and you have this hat that you're wearing and you kind of bounce around and do that. So trying to be better at it, definitely not perfect, but I am, I, again, I count my blessings every day. I'm so grateful that I have it in my family. I'm so grateful I get to do what I love. And I'm so grateful that I get to participate in the sport as well of competing and bodybuilding. So I love it. Yeah. And I think it, it, it also helps when the family gets involved too, right? I mean, your husband works out. Uh, I, I see every once in a while you put some videos where the kids are jumping in and uh, they want to they wanna <laughs> pump some iron like mom does. Yes. I, I also love that too. I love that my kids see me as strong. In fact, my eight-year-old just a few nights ago said he was brushing his teeth and he's like, mom, check out my muscles. And he goes, <laughs> they're getting big like yours, right? They're getting bigger. And so I like, I like that they see, see fitness as a positive thing. And I hope that between, you know, me and my husband, we both are doing a good job to show our kids what like the positive um, the positive, the positive things that come from living a healthy lifestyle and lifting weights and, you know, going and playing at the park, just, you know, being active and things like that. So. Yeah. Sense. Well, and you started exercising at a young age as well, right? Yes. I remember, I don't, I don't know how old you were, uh, when I first saw you coming in and uh, to the Life Center Athletic Club in Sandy, Utah, and uh, you'd hop on the treadmills, and you just you you were uh, almost every single day that you I, were there. I was always on the cardio machines. Just yeah, doing those things. I was really scared of lifting weights back then. I remember my friends in high school being like, "The guys, you know, come and lift weights," and I was like, oh, <laughs> "I don't want to yeah. be." guy and now i'm trying to lift really heavy and put on you know I'm like oh if i could only just put on one pound of muscle this year <laughs> so yes so what what was it that got you interested into fitness at such a young age i just i don't know i just was active i grew up dancing and so mm. once i graduated from high school i was no longer part of my dance team you know because we did competitive dancing and stuff and just wanted to stay active. And so the gym and friends went there. So it was kind of like a social thing too. So it made it fun. Now, so did something click? I got a quick one real yeah. fast because, and I've always been fascinated with um, certain people. There were certain people in that gym that I just, I used to marvel at their consistency and you were one of them. Oh, it was okay. like, well, it was like I could set a clock. You would walk in and, and you did your time. Like, how did you build the consistency? Or when when did it click from the time it became just like a baby little habit, a, a hobby, and all of a sudden you kind of click into overdrive where you realize this is something I really want to do and keep doing. But when, when did that click? Or did you ever click? Or was it just this consistent building toward the consistency? Mm-hmm. Ooh, good question. So I, I remember I loved classes. I was going to classes a lot um, at Lifetime. And then I decided I wanted to try lifting weights. I was like, well, what's, what's happening out here again? You know, like I kind of dabbled in it. Steve had showed me some things in my teenage years at Life Center. And so I thought, well, I want to give this a shot again. So I found um, just a free 12 week program on bodybuilding.com is Jamie Eason's and did that and it was super fun I really enjoyed it and then mm. from there, my husband wanted to do a bodybuilding competition and he asked me to join him in doing this and I had no idea what was in store I was like sure I just did this 12-week program so this sounds like fun you know 20 weeks and do a show at the end I had no idea what I was getting into and so it's I've always been, if I sign up for something, like I just commit. And so when I signed up to work with that coach and do, do that with my husband, I just committed. It's like, I'm going to set this goal and I'm going to follow through. And that I think is when I really started to love lifting. Okay. And then I just 
it just took off. Yep. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. I didn't know that it was because Ryan had said that he wanted to compete. I didn't know he competed. He never did. He still has. Oh, okay. Yeah. He just, he wasn't ready by the time that show came around. And then he's had like, cause he started playing racquetball and he got an injury and then. Right. Okay. Reason shoulder, like surgeries that he's had to do, which is kind of bummer. But yeah. Well, he's, he's still really dedicated. He's in there on a regular basis as well. And that That's really cool that uh, it started off with you guys doing this together. Now, once you did your first competition, what was it that changed inside of you that where you just said, hey, I've got to keep going. I'm going to, I'm going to do this all the way and I'm going to go pro. I, because again, I hadn't prepared, like I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so it came to show day and I had done some posing practice, um, with Heather D's. I had done some posing practice and things like that, <clears throat> but I just wasn't really prepared. And so I had done all the physical preparation, but then when it came to show day, like the mental preparation, mm. there was nothing there. And I, I was terrified. I was so terrified on that <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. I mean, most women are completely comfortable putting on a tiny bikini, high heels, oiling up their body and walking out there. I mean, come on, Val, what's wrong with you? I know, right? Like, <laughs> what was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't even occur to me until like the morning of the show. And I was like, exactly what you, you just said. I'm putting on a teeny little suit. You know, I just had a baby like a year ago. What am I thinking? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So after I did that first show, I thought, you know, this has been a really good physical experience, but I know that there's a lot of mental growth that I can experience from this too. And, you know, being able to like overcome that fear of getting on the stage and being, you know, being in my thirties and doing that type and doing that, like, that's a big feat. I'm like, I am a mom and I want to do this. This is going to be my, my own little personal side. Like this is Valerie's time. I have my you know, my mom stuff and this is Valerie's time. And so after that first show, I just said, I'm, I'm all in. So there was a lot of, um, you know, positive, what are the, like self-help books, like um, that I would read and I would do lots more visualization and meditation and it helped me to build that confidence uh, as I continued with that process of competing so I think people That's miss really the fact cool. that it's it's entertaining it's entertainment you know you could go out you can go into the gym and you can work out forever and you can achieve a great body but by the time it's you put on your bikini or the guys put on their, 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 their pants and they go posing out and trunks and posing trunks you are mm -hmm. entertaining and that's a whole nother head game as opposed to just getting the body mm -hmm. you go out there it's like the it's it's like the it's 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 an act of seduction literally you're seducing the audience and i think and you could comment on this val because this is me purely speculating from when i was a stand-up comic but you go out there, people are staring at you, and they want you to entertain. They want you to be what the most powerful you can be. And if you haven't developed that, you can't exude that energy when you go out. That's what I'm thinking. Yes, you're so right. It's There's practice that comes with that. Just like you go in the gym and you exercise and you train the muscles, you need to practice that showmanship. And especially... Showmanship, great word. And the bikini... Yeah division you are judged on your presentation as well as you, your physique and so that's something that you hear a lot in the competing world is you can have the best physique but if you can't present yourself well then you're not going to place that well and that's the truth so there's a lot that comes with that confidence and um like smoothness in your posing posing to your strengths and posing is really hard. It is so, it is so, <laughs> you're sweating up there, back is hurting, but you're trying to make it look effortless and flawless. And so that's like the hard, that's the hardest part of competing is being able to you know, win over the judges and be like, I deserve first place. 
you know, by doing that in your presentation. So it's, and, it is tough. I mean, you're literally flexing about 80 to 90% of the muscles at, when you're posing because you're trying to show the, and, and then hide, you know, hide the things that you don't want the judges to see, but highlight the areas that are the best. It's extremely difficult. I, go back for just a second, Val. You mentioned something earlier when you talked about you have your mom time and then you have your Val time. And I remember you and I talking about this at one point where you said, Steve, this is something that is just from a mental standpoint is so crucial for me to have my, my workout time. It's my time. What what is your training done for you from a uh, mental health standpoint? How has that affected you? Ooh, so it, it was something that really helped me with my last child. Obviously, I keep going back to my kids, which is great. But there, um, I experienced pretty severe postpartum depression with my last newborn with like a micro on his neck and had to have some surgeries and while they weren't life-threatening you know it's just all the things that happen with hormones postpartum and everything it was really hard for me so my doctor suggested um to really make it a point he said find something that you really love that's not like it that doesn't involve you being like mom like your own personal time whether that's painting or you start running like doing a running club or something like that and I thought this is perfect like I have to make it a point to go to the gym now. This is my, my me time. And so take the kids to the childcare, go up in my headphones and just, you know, let the, let the machines have it, just lift heavy and have fun and go to town. And so that really helped a lot with my recovery from postpartum depression and then just again from there just because it, I do love it so much and it is so fun I have I have found a better I'm using the word balance <laughs> <laughs> I found a little bit better balance with my training because I used to go like six days a week and now I only go four and I still like it but it's given me the opportunity to find you know other other things that I like so my life isn't solely about the gym like developing other hobbies um again like being able to spend more time with my kids like finding things that make me happy that aren't solely um invested with the gym i find that happens with a lot of my clients too because they like to train so much that then they you know they get all these negative metabolic adaptations because they're at the gym all the time doing hit and running and doing all these things so they I have to pull them out of that. And that's kind of the same, same type of thing that I learned a few years ago, but luckily I did that before I had any issues. I am very fortunate um, that you know, being a competitor, I've never had any sort of negative metabolic adaptations that can happen from dieting for so long, where you hear that sometimes in the competing world that that can happen. So. Yeah. It's amazing how, when you have a great, um, balance and harmony in your life that actually really supports your overall health. And so like you're talking about having some other hobbies and uh, going through cycles where maybe you are training six days a week and then you're pulling back to four. It's actually one of the best things you can do hormonally. That's one of the best things that you can do for your joints. It, it allows you to recover better. And then when it is go time and you're training to compete, uh, to cut down and uh, you're dieting and you've got to do, you know, the extra time, it balances you out. Well, yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned the diet. Now that's something that I wanted to talk to you about, um, in bodybuilding, fitness, bikini figure, the diet is the thing that I always had a problem with when I was coaching people. I coached uh, bodybuilders and, and at the time it was figure, uh, competitors, bikini division wasn't around. And I did it quite different than what a lot of people did because I just, I wasn't a big believer in this. Let's go ex extremely clean and super strict all the time. And then afterwards, then you go gorge yourself on, you know, five dozen donuts. Cause I just don't think that that's a healthy way to go. Uh, but it is really common to see these extremes of what they call clean eating and then to go on the opposite side of a quote unquote cheat day or a cheat meal or which I hate that word, by the way. But talk about the nutrition, because I my observation is that you stayed healthy. Uh, 
and you have found a way to make all of this work. What do you see in bodybuilding and what are you doing that might be different? I've seen more and more people having a little bit better balance when it comes to the diet and the contest prep so that they don't go and have that, you know, insatiable appetite after the show is over and they don't have a big goal that they're working for anymore. Um, but, uh, and one of the ways that you can do that is through diet breaks. That's becoming a little bit, it's kind of like a trending word right now is taking diet breaks. So sometimes it might just be a refeed, not a cheat meal. Higher carbs and fats come into play. Um, or maybe you take a whole week of changing the training stimulus and you add more fats into your diet for hormone health, because again, you need fats for for hormone health, which is, that's like another thing, you know, that a lot of women competitors have a problem with this hormone stuff that happens too. And, and so with me and my experiences, what I've done in the past is what the mo- the majority of people do. I actually, at one point never had, I didn't have any refeeds for one, one of my years. And that was hard. <laughs> I remember people at the gym being like, you need to eat this cookie. (laughs) And I did. They gave me a cookie and I ate it. I was like, okay, I'll eat this cookie. You say so. And and the interesting thing was anytime that I ever had a moment like that, where um, I went to a training once and they said it was like a weekend practical training that I went to for um, learning, you know, exercise biomechanics and stuff. And they said, um, you won't be able to do these workouts on the low amount of calories you're on. So we suggest you eat more carbs. And mm. so I, I just did, um, about four weeks out from the show, I just did what they told me to, cause I thought, yeah, like I can't put in the same amount of effort with this low of energy, but I want mm-hmm. to do my, do my best. So I eat and lo and behold, I came back from that, um, weekend experience. And I was like two pounds lighter. So yeah. it's like, you know, the, the mat, it's not magic. I'm not going to say that word and I already did, but it's, you know, what happens when you give your body a diet break um, or have a refeed. And so those little opportunities that your body has to catch up with all of the hard work, you know, that you're putting in by dieting down, I think those really help. And so that's something that, with my very last show, because I haven't competed since 2019, but with my last show, that's what happened. Like I went into my contest prep actually eating more food than I had before. It was very interesting because I was with a different coach at the time. And so that was a cool experience to have and came in fuller. Um, My muscles were fuller because I was having these programmed, you know, higher carb days and things like that. And I think it makes a big difference. I've seen that too with my clients that I've had compete having depending on the the client too so I think that's really important is each person's pretty individual and so it's hard to just tell you know everybody to say okay now you just need to eat less like okay you're four weeks out from a show you should be doing two hours of cardio like there's no there's no hard and fast rule that that should be the case it's all person dependent and so some of my clients um, have been doing 90 minutes of cardio. One was only doing 45. Another one went into the show doing none. It was a guy and I was making him eat like Chick-fil-A, um, a few weeks before the show. And he was freaking Mm. out. (laughs) He was like, this, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't what my friend said he did. And I was like, well, you're not your friend, so don't worry about it. And so, and, uh, luckily all my clients have trusted and what I've had to say and I've also explained to them the reason behind what I have them do. I'm not a big fan of the word just or the phrase trust the process. I like to explain things. And um, they've all, they all have placed and done well. So I think that the benefits of refeeds, of programmed deloads or change of stimulus with your programming, um, they really outweigh the consistent, like, let's just drop your carbs lower and increase your cardio more. Yeah. 
Well, and you're making a point, whether you are intending to or not, that I have said for years and years, you know, I don't, I don't do my taxes every year. I mean, I file my taxes, but I have somebody do my taxes for me because I'm not an accountant and I'm not an expert in accounting. Now, we hire experts and we hire people to do certain things for us because they're really good at it. But for some reason, I've heard over the years, people balk at this idea of hiring a coach so that they can learn how to eat properly for themselves. Oh, I'm just going to get this book. Or, well, you know what? I picked up this diet online and it doesn't work. And like you were just talking about, every single person is different. Your story really reminds me when I competed, I, I did one bodybuilding competition. It was a natural competition. So everybody was drug tested and going into it, I was about two weeks out and I walked into the house and my wife looks at me and she says, how are you doing? And I sat down and I didn't understand what she asked me. And she looked at me, she goes, how are you doing? And I said, I'm fine. And then I just started sobbing uncontrollably. And I had no idea what was going on. And yeah. she just looks at me. She's like, uh, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm sitting on the couch sobbing like a baby. She goes over, cooks up a pot of rice, throws some butter in it, hands it to me and says, eat this right now. And I said, <laughs> no, it's not on my diet. She goes, I don't care. Eat it. I eat the pot of rice, everything, you know, all of a sudden the crying stops. I feel a million times better. I call my coach the next day and I said, coach, this is what happens. He goes, you're at the point where we're going to raise your calories. And I was eating going into that competition. And I'm not a big guy. I think when I competed, I weighed in at maybe 150 pounds, yeah. five, seven. And I was eating close to 6,000 calories a day going into the competition. I had to increase my calories by almost 3000 from where I was. And I got shredded lean. I mean, veins in the leg, like you, you, you could look at my skin and it looked like a map, but I was eating close to 6,000 calories every single day in those final two weeks going up to the competition. So the point is that you're making, and I'm pulling together, everyone is different. Training stimulus, goals, people's bodies, People have got to learn how to eat and how to exercise in a way that's right for them. So walk through the process of how do you determine where to start with a client? If somebody came to you and said, Val, I want to compete or Val, you know what? I just want to lose 10 pounds. I don't really care about standing on stage. Where do you start with them? Oh, so when a client comes to me, just select that clients so are not competing um, well, even competitor, it doesn't matter. I like to find out what they've been doing. What's their past dieting history? History Have they dieted a lot? What have they been eating, you know, macro-wise um, for the last little while? If they don't track macros, then I just ask them to keep a food diary for a few days so I can get an idea of what they've been eating. So between, mm -hmm. like, how many times have you dieted in your life? Um what type of training are you doing? How much are you eating currently? What is your life like? I'd like to know what stressors are happening in their life. Do, are they, are they working a red eye shift? Are they, you know, a flight attendant and they work like away from home four days a week and then they're home three days a week or, you know, whatever their, whatever their situation is, lots of little kids at the house. So they're up during the night. All those things affect how their progress is going to go because I don't want to set up a client with unrealistic expectations given their, you know, their lifestyle because there's just some things that they can't control. Like if a mom is up at night with a two-year-old, I have a few clients who are like that right now. So they don't get very good sleep. So we need to make sure that we're keeping them keeping their uh, food a little bit higher because they just need more energy because they're not getting that ability to recover as much as, mm. you know, this single um, college student, you know, that I'm working with. So it's kind of this like overall assessment to find out what they've done and what they're doing right now. And then I can make, you know, set up an initial game plan to see what is going to be the best for them and then make, make adjustments from there. 
Yeah, it sounds pretty scientific um, in how you process the information and start to make those adaptations. Well, I try to, again, it's this personalization. I just want to make sure that I understand them and where they're coming from and not just be like, okay, like you're 5'5", five, five, you weigh 150 pounds, type this information into the computer, you know, like use some like macro calculator or whatever, and not even take anything else into consideration because there's so much mm -hmm. more to that person besides what they're, what they are in that very moment, like what has happened in the past? Do they have any um, autoimmune, you know, di diseases such as like, you know, hypothyroid, Hashimoto's, those are like the two big ones that I see. And usually they're exercise or diet induced. And so they can be corrected, but like trainings to pull back. There's been many times with clients where they come to me sore, tired, diet, you know, have been dieting for several years and it's just like, okay, next few weeks, nothing. Or next few weeks, only two days of training a week, or it might be for several months. It just, it really depends on the Like we just have yeah. to pull back your training um, and really focus more on recovery. And people say, well, I'm not stressed. Like, well, <laughs> we'll you may not think you are. <laughs> I used but, to hear that a lot. Yes. Like we're, all the indications, all the indicators are there. You're stressed, but they go like, I'm not stressed. <laughs> yeah. Like we're only and yet they're falling apart. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You're only sleeping five hours a night. So let's try to, so it's one of those things. Like you can see all the things that, you know, the client needs help with, but you don't want to overwhelm them. So starting, starting with just the basics of like, um, better sleep. So let's just focus on better sleep. Here's a few different things you can do. Pick one or two and let's see how that goes for the week. And you know, just like little things like, like that, that really helps. But yeah, um, recovery is huge for, especially for my clients. I see, I have this one contest prep, contest prep client of mine who she, Every, every so often she'll send me a check-in and I'm like, you know what time it is? Like three days off of training and go, go out to dinner with your husband and have your chicken Alfredo that you love to eat. And mm. she does that and just like, will drop four or five pounds of inflammation, just like water retention from stress. Just, that's just what, you know, her body is just more prone, prone to that. So she does so well with those, like, like very strict, no training at all complete break, go in the mountains, go on a walk, get outside, anything but the gym and diet. Like we just have to give you a break from that for a little bit. Yeah. And, and this How is the reason why it? everybody needs to have a coach. She, yeah. Miles. So she is totally understandable. Um, is that the right word? That's not the right word. <laughs> understanding. Yes. She's totally understanding. Um, so, that. so she's, it doesn't stress her out, luckily. She's seen the benefits of it over the last. Oh, week. good. Yeah. So yeah, like the first time that it, yeah. it, she was not okay with it at all. But then when she saw, I used to run into that a lot. Yeah, because it's hard for because it's like yeah, well, you're talking to people and you tell them it's like eat more and they just look at you like you you need to eat more or you need to stay out of the gym. And, mm -hmm. you know, the clients could look at me and say, what, I'm paying you all this money and you're telling me to stay out of the gym? I go, yes, for your benefit. <laughs> Some things we've uncovered. And and it's so counterintuitive to people, like, especially to eat more. You want to lose weight? Eat more. And this is what we should be eating. Let's do this. It's, it's, it's such a frustrating thing sometimes when, you know, you have their best interests in your hands and... You have to describe to them some science behind it so they can actually get it. But even when you hit them with facts, they're just like, I, I this doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, like, if I'm not sweating and my heart rate's not like averaging 150 beats per minute, yeah. I don't walk out of the gym, like, you know, crawling out of the gym, then I didn't work out hard enough or I have to do that every single day. Yeah. And like I've accomplished something. It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. there's a time and a place, you know, 
but not all the time. It's only so much that your body can handle before you start to not sleep well, start to, you know, have bloating, like all the different things that can happen. Yeah. And all these symptoms show up and, and it's, it's unfortunate that we just tend to ignore them far too often. And I was, I was seeing my guy the other day, uh, cause I, I did something to my knee. It started to get inflamed. And so I went in for a dry needling session and I said, so I, I know I come and see you, uh, on a regular basis. Do other people come and see you as often as I do, or am I just really getting old and dumb? And he goes, no, he says, the problem is Steve, you come because you know your body and you know how to work out and you're aware of it. He goes, when I see most people, it's because they have had pain or inflammation or something. They've ignored it. Then it gets worse. And then I have a bigger problem to fix. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty much how a lot of people are, unfortunately. And that's why you need a coach because you've got to, you got to have somebody look at things from a different perspective. So Val, I want to talk about your coaching and then your your growth as a coach and, and a competitor. I recall a conversation you and I had a few years ago where you were um, getting stuck in your own training. You were a little bit frustrated and you said, okay, a coach is telling me to do this, but my intuition tells me I got to do something def- different uh, because body was in pain or, or not progressing, right? Something along those lines. You took a jump and you did a lot of research. You started reading a lot. You started learning more, different techniques and expanding your knowledge. You got different coaches and different mentors. And it was almost, it was so cool for me to watch that because I've always admired you for your hard work. And I've always admired you for how, what a, what just a genuine and good, kind person you are. But seeing that jump that you did with you, you became like this ravenous beast, you know, grabbing every bit of information you could about nutrition and training. Talk about that process that you went through to learn from multiple sources and, you know, experiment a little bit different on yourself. Um, how's that changed you? Oh, it's changed me a ton. I still, I, I look back at that and I'm so grateful that when I was at that point that I made that pivot and didn't I'm glad I listened to my intuition I guess Mm -hmm. because I was just feeling like I needed to do something different which you don't always have to necessarily do something different but if I didn't as far as the competing was concerned if I would have just continued doing the same thing that I had done for the last 10 years or not 10 two two years (laughs) I, I didn't see myself making any more progress because I just, in my head, I had this idea of like, well, I feel like your body adapts. Isn't like our body's always trying to achieve homeostasis. And mm-hmm. so if I just keep doing this program, I don't, I don't see how I'm going to make progress unless I do more. And so that was like the thing of like, And I don't know if I can do more because I'm already at the gym for like two hours a day, six days a week. And I got my kids and I don't know if I can go to two and a half hours a day, six days a week, and then three. And there's only so much time that they can have childcare. Like I was just like starting to feel overwhelmed. Like I can't, I have to figure out a better way because I can't um, just live at the gym. Although that would be fun, but. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty fun. We did that for a lot of years. And so, um, I, I learned about, you know, periodization and programming and how, yeah, your body does adapt. And so that's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a survival mechanism, you know, that our body has, whether it's with dieting, you know, our, our BMR slows down as we diet and that's because our body isn't getting enough food. So everything has to slow down. So it's not a bad thing. It's just the way that our body's, you know, learning to adapt to what it's given. And so it's the same idea with training. Some people will do stuff or they'll run through a 12 week program and they'll, then they'll want to do it again. They're like, Oh my God, these really good results last time. How can this not happening this time? Well, things have changed. You know, there's whatever, whatever is your life is like right now. It's not the same as it was when you did it the last time. And so that's mm-hmm. where the concept of periodization comes into play. And so from there, yeah, I've 
loved the idea of learning about how to program a little bit better, um, how to program smarter. So giving your, again, giving your body enough time to have a break from the gym so you can go back and train harder, you know, instead of hitting it six days a week type of thing. And then also like, I got some really awesome books from you too that I really like. Um, learning about biomechanics, how muscles. Work. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot I gave you those. Yeah. Uh, those are great books. Yes. So how, yeah, how muscles work. And then not only that, but taking some of these practicals and seeing that you can look at muscles in a textbook or people who have taken courses where they're looking at cadavers, which I've never done before. Mm -hmm. But you're looking at muscles kind of in like a like a 2D plane. It's not the same as seeing them in action. And yeah. so, you know, at these practicals um, that I went to with N1 Education, seeing how the movement in life is different than just, you know, like a diagram, like just looking at the glute max muscle and the fibers go this way. So sumo, people just automatically assume like so sumo squats are going to be the best for the glute max when in actuality if you watch a person when they contract and how it goes down this way it's more of a narrow stance that you want for training the glute max type of stuff so yeah. all these like little and then even you know precision nutrition getting those nutrition certifications help now not uh, like registered dietitian, but just understanding what I can do within my realm as a, a fitness coach. So helping me to, you know, give clients a better idea of how they can take their nutrition, depending on the programming, their lifestyle, things like that. Yeah, and I, th I think along with this, one of my observations, like I said, you've always been very nice and and just like one of my favorite people to talk to, but I've noticed a confidence boost in you over the years. I mean, you you seem to exude much more confidence, um, and I, confidence for women oftentimes is really tough, especially when they walk into a gym. Well, oftentimes we hear things like like you were talking about you had as a uh, teenager where you say, oh, "I don't want to go lift because I don't want to get bulky." Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions with women uh, relative to exercise and lifting weights and confidence is a big thing. So how do you coach your women to develop better confidence so that they're, they're feeling more confident in their decision making? I think the biggest thing um, that has helped with women, like the newbies who haven't ever lifted, is a lot of them will come to my home. I have a basement gym and we will train in person and I mm -hmm. will go over form with them and talk about, you know, this is, this is how you're going to do lateral raise and then have them do it and make sure they understand the motion and everything. And, and then I like to, when I send programs out to my clients, I have videos of me performing the movement. And then I have my own personal list of cues. So mm -hmm. between that some of the in-person stuff that I do with clients who come over and then also um, they will send me videos of their exercises as well. I think that gives them a little bit more confidence because they can come and be like, I know exactly, like I have my plan. My coach has told me what I'm, what I'm supposed to do. I know how to do it. And so here I am. And I think that, I think that's helped. That's awesome. Talk about the body image changes that people have. Yeah. How does self-esteem or how does their body image change as they train with you? That, that improves as well. I have this one client in particular that I'm thinking about and her husband was commenting to me the other day that like she goes in with her sports bra on and she's so much, so much more confident um, even just at work and at home and and so I love to hear that, like positive, you know, those positive changes that come from, you know, them hiring a coach, which they, they just were like, help me to lift weights and, you know, build some muscle. And then there's these other positive things that come as a result. So I really like that a lot. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it really, it spreads into so many other aspects of life. Um, what about this idea that women are afraid of getting bulky? Talk about that. How do you overcome that mental barrier? <laughs> I, that's something I talk about a lot because there's this word that everybody always says it's toned. I want to get toned. And I've had a hard time with that word lately because I hear it a lot. I've been hearing it a lot and I'm like, okay, you understand what toned means. Toned is muscle. And the way that you see the muscle is you have to like, you know, diet down to see it. But first you have to have muscle to even see in the first place. So <laughs> you got to lift heavy. And I think help it helps lots of women to see me lifting heavy, you know, it's heavy for me. And they're like, okay, mm -hmm. she, she's lifting super heavy and she is not like masculine looking. So I want to try this too and see what happens <laughs> type of thing. So I hope it's like a positive influence from that aspect. Yeah, I wonder where awesome. this came from. I wonder where it came from because there's no real evidence that you know, that there's these massive amounts of women out there who are getting bulky from lifting weights. You know, you, the, if I think about my experience in Lifetime Fitness, the women that lifted heavy looked absolutely stunning. And then, you know, once every six months, a massive bodybuilder might come in the gym, but there's no evidence. Where did this myth of getting bulky come from with women? Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I have no idea. Um, it must just be from the few women that do bodybuilding. Like that's the only thing. And so they get this picture in their head of like, I'm going to look like a, like a female bodybuilder. Like, no, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I just, cause I had that experience of just sitting there doing a consultation with a woman and she would literally say, I don't want to get bulky. And, and I would say, look around, just look at the gym, look at the women over there. Look at her, look at her, look at her. And, and, and it still wouldn't register. Like, I don't want to get bulky. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's so funny because you talked about, Val, your goal is to gain what? Maybe a pound of muscle this year? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm like, oh, come on, one pound, just one. <laughs> and that's not a lot of size. And so, you know, men don't get bulky. Women don't get bulky. It, it's really tough yeah. for people yeah. to get bulky by lifting weights. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to come together for a person to get quote unquote bulky, but it's funny how much that's perpetuated, especially amongst women when they first start working out. Uh -huh. it, it really yeah. is. There's that. It's a big misconception. And so the, I love the phrase, my friend Lindsay Parker says this all the time, femininely fit, like muscles give me curve. Mm me femininely fit looking and so i i like i love that I, it's like spot on so that gives us yeah. a, it gives us women like a little bit of you know a little bit of shoulders we get a little bit of glute but it takes years <laughs> <What's the other? laughs> yeah yeah it does so that's an, another misconception with women is they're like oh my legs are so big you know when i start to do leg extensions my quads like get so big i put on muscle easily i'm like I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just not the case. <laughs> yeah. I used to, I, I had, I would have uh, people come to me and want to train years and years ago. And they would say, well, I, I just don't want to get bulky. So I said, okay, well, guess what? What if I could promise you that I'm going to train you so that you never get bulky? Oh yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'll sign up today. I said, awesome. So we're going to lift super heavy and guess what's going to happen? <laughs> You're not going to get bulky because in order for you to get bulky, I'd have to pump some steroids in you. We'd have to have you eating a lot of food for a lot of years and maybe in five to 10 years, I could get you bulky, but uh, glad, glad we're on the same page. You're not going to get bulky. <laughs> it's a funny mental block. And yes. And even, you know, with women wanting wanting to build muscle and they come eating 1300 calories. And I'm like, okay, well you want to build muscle, but you also want to lose weight, but you're only eating 1300 calories. So what we have to do is bring up your food before we can even diet you down. Like that's not a spot that I'm willing to take you into a diet from, you know? Yeah. And they, they're like, I'm going to get that, that, that. <laughs> 
like, mm, I, I don't coach people to get, you know, to purposely get big. Like we're just trying to get you to a healthy spot. And so that's like the other thing between bulky and like not eating enough food. <laughs> it's like, no, you need food and we're not going to get you in any way, shape or form fat. We're just working on getting you to a healthy spot and you can lift heavy and feel really good. You'll probably sleep better. Like all these good things are probably going to happen. Maybe you won't have to have as much caffeine anymore. You may be too caffeine dependent because you're you know, working out so much and not eating enough food. So like, there's all these good things. Like, let's just see what happens. Just let's see and go from there. And I can assure you, I have never done that to any of my clients. I'm sure you guys. <laughs> You're not in the business of making people fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So well, Val, you, you are an inspiration uh, from being a wife, a, a mother, a coach, and a competitor. I mean, you're inspiring so many people. If you could leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, to, I would say to like live, live life and be present in the moment. We're especially, you yeah. know, with goal setting and things like that. We always, it's great to set goals, but you want to make sure that you're experiencing life right, right here in this moment while you're on your way to those goals or else stuff can just pass you by and you might look back and maybe you'll, you know, have lost friendships or maybe you wouldn't, you know, haven't paid as much attention to your kids or whatever it might be. There might be, you know, family stuff or whatever. And so that's, probably my bit of advice is just to be present while you're working on your way to your goals. Great advice. I love it. And again, like building muscle, that ability to be present takes a lot of years to practice and get really good at. Right. And you won't get bulky being present. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, uh, it's time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank our guest, Val Lusvardi, for joining us. And my co-host, the governor's bestie, Miles Riley. Thanks, Miles. I like the dancing going on right now. <laughs> We've had a great conversation today, and we hope that you, our evolutionary listeners, took something with you that will help you in your personal evolution. So Val, for people that want to follow you, people that want to learn from you, maybe they want to get coaching from you, what's the best way for people to contact you or connect with you? There's my Instagram account. It's Valerie Lasparti. And then I also have my website. You can head to, to check out my coaching information. And that's vavoomvscfit.com vaboomvscfit.com I love it I'm just going to go watch awesome. some dancing yeah <laughs> she yeah. has got the great moves <laughs> and folks we want you to join the Evolve community by going to evolve-cast.com uh, to pick up our clothing line and follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast. Now, Miles, you're looking especially dapper today. How do people look as amazing as you? Well, first of all, let's just get them over to the, uh, the website and start looking at some of our great, actually, we've got dropped great new colors with our Evolve shirts. Right? I'm not going to talk any, about anything else except for these shirts. we got great new colors. There's yellow, there's red. So jump on over, see what fits you, grab something, and hang out with us at our website. I love it. Show off your Evolve and uh, show us what you're doing to get out there and evolve while you're wearing the Evolve t-shirt. We would love to see it. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Evolve podcast, a podcast that challenges personal evolution through our choices and overcoming the challenges that life throws at us. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. I think we had a great conversation with Val and really she's an inspiration on how to balance your life and create a healthy life as well. Um, do me a favor, will you jump on whatever app you're listening to us on and go give us a rating. It helps us to have other great 
conversations with people who would be interested in coming on to our podcast, but they look at those ratings and we have to have a certain number for some of these great people to come on. So do me a favor, go hit smash those like that like button, those stars, whatever it takes. But also join us next week. We're going to have a fun conversation with a former politician, the former mayor of North Las Vegas, through one of the biggest booms in the fastest growing cities at its time when he was the mayor. It's a fascinating conversation about leadership and politics, and I hope you'll join us next week with uh, Mike Montandon.